This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. With Farm Bureau Health Plans, you'll get lower deductibles and premiums and less hassles. Visit FBHP.com. With Coach Dave McGinnis, Rhett Bryan, Amy Wells, I'm Mike Keith, and he thought he was out of it, and we pulled him back in. That's <laughs> what you do best. The Executive Director of the Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy. Thanks for joining us here at the Combine. Absolutely. Glad to be here. What are you doing at the Combine? Well, I'm not looking at my phone like I was every two seconds in Mobile when you guys were down there. So, well, no, uh, that was great. Your segment with Coach Mack was the highlight of the week. Oh, well, that's, that's the, great. The two of you guys talking. There's got to be a huge sense of pride that, what, well over 80% of the Reese's Senior Bowl participants got an invite to the Combine? Uh, it's it's, gotta, it's higher than that. I'm not a math – I wasn't a math major, but we have, I think it was 124 out of 127. Oh, so that's wow. like 97%. I apologize. Well done. Well, I, I, I'm like – Got to be a sense of pride there. I was I'm mad about, about the three guys that didn't get Combine. I know you are. <laughs> I know you're the kid from Bowling Green. Carl the, Brooks. The Carl bowling. Brooks was really the one who jumped out, isn't it? Carl Brooks is one, and then uh, there was a linebacker from Sac State, Marte Mapu, who we called up from the NFLPA game. They did a great job of scouting Marte. Uh, he came in at two phenomenal days of practice. Uh, I was watching with with a head coach watching the nine on seven drill, and he was is a 218 pound guy was just blowing up inside run stuff. And uh, there's talk now. I've talked to teams. He might go on day two. And he's wow. not, and he's not here at the combine. I mean, there's always combine snubs, and they usually go later in the draft. If Mapu goes in the third round, that's going to be one of the all-time. I think Kevin Byer, Kevin Byer, is, yes. is yeah. the last highest, and he's another Senior Bowl alum. But I think he's the last highest combine snub. First pick of the third round. Wow, he almost went in the second. He almost mm-hmm. well, and there were he was the 64th pick because there was actually one less pick in the second Someone round. Someone forfeited a pick, or right? Something. So theoretically, he was the last pick of the second round. Wow, yeah, yeah. So, so that could be huge if Marte goes that high. So being able to be here and see these guys go through the process again to that pride thing, watching them take the next step. Not only does that make you feel good as someone who's invested in their careers a little bit, but also as an evaluator. You got a lot of stuff right. Yeah, no, I, I don't look <laughs> at it that. I'm excited for the guys. I'm excited for the players, and that's been cool. I saw a bunch of them last night when they were working on their 40 starts. God, they overthink this stuff, don't they? They, they can't just put their hand down and run. But they anymore. can't not do it. Right, right. No, so there. Are, so I saw a bunch of the guys, and and it is. I, there's things I do miss about working in the NFL. Um, and, and I miss draft day probably the most, draft weekend the most. But but draft weekend is a lot of fun from a Senior Bowl perspective because you're seeing. You know, the last two years, 106 guys drafted. So you, you just get you get happy for these guys over and over and over um, because you know they're realizing their dreams. So that's what it's all about. Jim, again, pride, um, and without picking favorites or anything like that, but who do you think is someone – give me a couple of your senior bowl guys that really have a chance to pop this week in Indianapolis. Oh, you know, we do the zebra technology stuff during yep. practice that all the teams have, and our fastest guy this year was Darius Rush, a big corner, big long corner from South Carolina, who, um, Coach, you know this, the, the lazy scouting take on big corners is, ah, I don't know if he can run. You know, <laughs> like that's just, we do that. We just tend to do that with these guys. Um, now that we know Darius can indeed run, because that was a question going into Mobile, um, last year our fastest guy was Tariq Woolen. And he comes here and runs four two six. I don't. I don't think Darius going to run that. But um, so I think he's going to do really well. Um, one of the defensive linemen from from Northwestern who had a good week. Uh, Adetamiwa Adabare um, is a guy that 
if he hits everything that Bruce Feldman put, you know, Bruce Feldman does the Freaks sure. List That's article right. every year. Love right. that. Um, so Bruce, Bruce, we've actually helped Bruce the last couple of years. That's been a fun project to work on with him. Um, but if, if, if Tommy hits all his marks, it was like 37 vert, 10, eight broad, 405 short shuttle, 693 cone. If he hits everything that Bruce laid out in that, he will have the number one mark. Um, he would have been the number one defensive tackle in last year's combine at every single event, which would be incredible. Wow. Will McDonald the fourth. Yeah. When we got there, and, and you know, just eyeballs on it, you keep watching him during the whole process. Give me your take now. Um, after watching all the tape, Will looked different than all the other edge players athletically. Yeah, that's um, what I thought. He just looked different coming off the ball. He looked different dropping. And we're talking about a guy that played a lot of four-eye, five-technique in college. So he never even was, you know, really a line wide. You know, they didn't even really kind of use him. I'm not, I'm not saying anything no, no, no. against Iowa State. Um, but you're talking about a guy that had 33 sacks over the last four seasons in a, in a scheme that wasn't really suited for his skill set. He'd never really dropped into coverage. Some of the coverage stuff was, like, no. so natural to the guy. He can do anything he wants. And he's a high school track guy, so he's like a 6'9 high jumper. Um, so you know he's got all this stuff. And, and, again, just the eyeball test. I mean, you put on the one-on-ones, he just looked different than everybody else. Well, he looked different to me than what I saw, you know, just running through some prelim tape. So some Iowa State, State tape. But because he was he was moved in there. And then so what I'm, you know, sitting in the stands, I showed you the picture of Rhett and I when I had to go buy sweatshirts because <laughs> yeah. we were not smart enough to, to stay dressed warm enough the second day. <laughs> well, we, <laughs> had, so, so we, we had a 30-degree drop from day one to day two. <laughs> So and, it's not your both, fault. And both of us are veterans, you know, and so we, we show up and we're shivering in there uh, up in the stands. And I, go, I got to find some clothes. And the senior bowl was selling clothes. So anyway, I went and bought, <laughs> I went, I went and bought us some hoodies and, and we were just fine. But just watching him on just watching him, I'm going, this isn't the same dude mm-hmm. because he was moved into a four eye and he was and, and he was asked to do so many gap things. Mm-hmm. But then when what you guys did down there and I and I give you and your people a lot of credit and the coaches that were coaching. Yeah, coaches. I, I thought those mixed staffs did a nice job. I thought those blended staffs did a really good job down there. But I, I'm watching him, and I kept I kept telling these guys, I said, this guy kind of looks like something that might be able to do something. You know, in a especially in a in a in a sub role to begin with to look at and. Needs to get a little heavier, right? I'm and he's working on that. He told us at the podium yesterday he was playing at 235 during the season. He's at 243 right now, wants to hit 250. I think he was 242 in Mobile. But, yeah, as long as he's trending in the right direction. But you're right. As a situational pass rusher, I think he can be that guy next year. Uh, I think he's a guy that if you're a, if you're an odd front team, he could play 3-4 outside linebacker with ease. I've been a, I was in a 3-4 defense for a lot of years in the league in, in New England and Kansas City, and we played with a lot less athletic guys than Will McDonald. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the arrow is pointing up. You know, one thing we did for our overall practice player of the week, um, the regular practice players, they vote on each other. So wide receivers vote on DBs, O-line votes on D-line. But for the overall practice player of the week, we pulled – I pulled two guys from all 32 clubs, so we had 62 votes. Will McDonald got a bunch of them. Wow. Yeah, he did. Interesting. As you're going through, um, I guess, the weeks in between the Senior Bowl and the Combine, maybe for some of the guys who didn't have the best weeks at the Senior Bowl, there's a lot going on. There are guys you know who struggle to kind of find their footing in that Mm -hmm. environment. How much room is there for improvement or for progress to be made for them to kind of make up and have a better showing at the combine? Is that something that happens very often? Yeah, that's a that's a good that's a good question. Yeah, I'm sure if you asked all these players, were all of them totally happy with their performance in Mobile? No, but the way I was brought up in scouting, and again, this goes goes way back. But the old axiom was, you can never hurt yourself by playing in an All Star game. 
Um, you know, again, they're, they're making a statement to the 32 teams, how competitive they are. I mean, there's a lot of people telling these kids not to be in events like the Senior Bowl. So, um, so they help themselves just by coming. And they help themselves by competing. And I'm sure some of those guys, you know, wish they, they would have done a little better. But, but yeah, they give room to make up with the testing. Um, but I think the smart teams are really always going back to the tape anyway. I, I can just speak to the teams I worked for. And me personally, when I made the biggest mistakes is when I came to Indy and I put too much stock into what they did out there in shorts and T-shirts. Not to, not to minimize the comment. This is, a big, this, is, this is an important event. It's a big event. Um, but I think you always have to go back to the tape. And if, if a guy didn't have the week he had in Mobile, teams are going to go back to the college tape and be like, was he better in college? Like, why, why did he get that Senior Bowl invite? So it's just a constant process. If you're doing this the right way as a club, you're constantly rechecking yourself. And you're really going back to that college tape over and over and over and just making sure you're seeing, seeing it right. In the time between the Senior Bowl and now, we found guys in Mobile that we became intrigued with mm -hmm. that maybe we didn't know that well going in. So I'm going to go around the group and, and let us ask you about those players. Sure. The first guy I want to ask you about it, I'm going to, I'm going to lead with this because I, I think he's very interesting. Keon White, mm -hmm. defensive lineman, I think, from Georgia Tech. And I say I think because, man, he's versatile. He is. He is. No, Keon's a, Keon's a good one. Um, I was scared we were going to lose Keon with the Senior Bowl because I, uh, I was driving home the week before the Senior Bowl, and Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network calls. And he said, Nags, I'm, I'm watching this kid from Georgia Tech right now. He's like, man, he's really good. I'm like, yeah, he is really good. He's like, he's better than some of these guys people have going in the top ten. I said, DJ, please do not put him in the top ten of one of your things right now because <laughs> then an agent, an agent's going to see that, and he's gonna, not going to send him to Mobile. Um, no, he, he's very versatile. I know in the, he came to our game. I think he was 280 in Mobile. Um, he was playing in the low 290s at Georgia Tech, so he must have dropped some weight. Um, but, yeah, he's a guy you can move up and down the front. You can stand him up. Um, you can put his hand down. He's a mismatch against guards. Um, yeah, super athletic guy, and he's really natural. Um, maybe we talked about this on the air in, in, in Mobile, but he was a guy that when I started watching him as a second-year – he was a second-year player. They moved him from tight end to defense. In his first year on defense, he had 19 tackles for loss, which tells you he can find the football. Um, I mean, there's instincts there. So he's, he's a really high upside player. Um, I would be surprised if he got out of the top 20 picks. You mentioned what he does against guards. Let's talk about a guard that you had that is, I, by all in, indication, going to be in the bottom of the first round, maybe a little higher than that. Osiris Torrance from Florida is an impressive size guy uh, that I saw down there on the field after pro those practices. Tell us about Osiris Torres. Incredibly strong. Just a strong, strong human being. And he, he doesn't get moved. Even when guys get into him, he doesn't get moved. And I, I was actually was talking to one of the guys that's training him right now. I didn't know you could do this, so I'm not up on the sports science stuff like I probably should be. But they can measure hamstring strength on some device they have. And the average in the NFL, the average player is like a 700. And, and Osiris's were like 900. So, like, they said it's the strongest they've ever had come through this, this you know, particular training facility. Um, so, really strong guy. When he gets his hands on you, it is completely over. So, he's a, he's a day one starter. I don't know if he's going to fit for all teams. I think, you know, for teams that run a lot of wide zone stuff, I don't know if that's going to be Osiris's thing. But if you're a gap scheme team that wants to come downhill and move people off the ball, Osiris is your guy. There's a guy that showed up there. Of course, we stayed and watched all of it. Uh, that I was not familiar with when I went down there, but I kept watching him and watching him. And, and you know, some of the, the drills that you do, that the one-on-ones are, are 
really valuable, especially, you know, for, for two areas, the offensive, defensive line, and then the space guys. Mm-hmm. How about Jaden Reed? Yeah, Jaden had a really big week. Yeah, um, I thought so too. Yeah, he did. I was really happy for him because we were watching Jaden a year ago. He was a guy that we identified as a junior graduate. Um, we've really worked hard. We can bring those guys now if they graduate by December. So that, that fall of 2021, we knew Jaden was going to graduate. So we put a lot of work in on him, and then we get to the end of the year, and he decides to go back to school, which is great. Um, and statistically, he wasn't even their leading receiver at Michigan no, State this year. Not. So, um, yeah, we've had a day two grade on him going back two years now. Um, now, did this numbers look like a day two receiver? Probably not on paper. I think he caught 55 balls for six or 700 yards, but but he was almost uncoverable at the Senior Bowl. Really dynamic, quick and fast, both. Um, was a really hard cover. Can return punts. He has legit NFL starter punt return ability. And uh, again, I think he's I think he's going to end up going in that day two range. Which before Mobile, I don't you know he's probably more of a fourth. Um, but I would I would be surprised if he got out of the third now. Yeah, and, and just watching him, and, and again, of course, Michigan State football, which is good football, but they run it. You know, they'll line up and run it, so your receivers aren't going to have the numbers. But I was impressed with him just watching. And he seemed to be, especially coming out of that offense, no disparity to the offense, he's got some nuance to him, mm-hmm. especially in the slot. I mean, he's a slot guy, don't you think? Yeah, some some of the some of the head and shoulder stuff, some of the stem stuff. Yeah, yeah really, really advanced. Um, and you can tell me this, Coach. I just remember another former Spartan that you, that you guys had, Derek Mason, if there's any – I didn't see, I, I'm too young to see, Derek was a couple years older than me, so I wasn't scouting yet. But um, is there any similarities there yes. to Derek I, Mason? D. Mace was a little stronger because okay. D. Mace was a strong dude. I mean, you know, I was coaching when we had D. Mace there. Yeah. But he was extremely strong, but very, very crafty inside. And even for, uh, you know, the stature, a really good combat catcher and just as competitive as they come. Nice draw there. Yeah. I, I just. I, Sounds like you do this for a living. <laughs> <laughs> No, Derek Mason. I, I'm a Michigan guy, so I, so I remember watching Derek Mason r- rip us up every year, it seemed like. You mentioned the Zebra technology, which showed on the scoreboard there at the stadium in, in Mobile. Uh, speeds. One of the speeds that got my attention was Luke Musgrave, the tight end from Oregon State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in terms of size-speed combo, he's going to be he probably going to be the top guy in this tight end class. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be the first tight end taken because the Notre Dame kid, Mayer, is a really good player. Dalton Kincaid from Utah, who was, who was going to come to our game, but he actually he broke his back in the last game of the year. So I don't even know if Dalton Kincaid's a really good player. But Luke Musgrave, um, yeah, he hit. I want to see he was our eighth fastest overall player in the game, which at 260 pounds is pretty crazy how much fast. I mean, he's faster than our, our corners in, in wideouts. So, yeah, he – He's, I don't think he gets out of the second round. I know there was some talk. I know DJ talking about Daniel Jeremiah. I know he had him in the first round for a little bit, um, but I, I don't know if he's going to go that high. But uh, he had some drops during the week. But uh, second round, I think, is, is probably where he'll end up. Ivan Pace, the linebacker yeah. from Cincinnati. What an intriguing player. No doubt. There's always guys that are better than I think they are. Once we get him to Mobile, Ivan Pace definitely falls into that category this year because he was kind of a late ad for us. Um, you know, we were. He, he's not very big. You know, he's five. He was five eleven, three five eleven four. So you know, five eleven and a half. Not a very big guy. Um, and it, but he just and he's got a really unique style because he's so undersized. Like, coach, you would not coach this guy to play linebacker the way he plays it. But he's figured out how to play with his size. Um, I I told him he reminded me a little bit of Teddy Bruschi when I was in New England with Teddy. Like you would never draw it up the way Teddy did it because he was always dipping under blocks and slipping around stuff. And he just had a really unorthodox style about him. Um, and that's what Ivan's got. And uh, you got to the game. They, you can really see like linebackers and running backs. Those are two positions the game itself are really important for. 
and Ivan had nine solos and, and ten total tackles and the the one on one blitz pickup stuff. I don't know if we had a, a running back put a hand on him all week. I mean, he just he just outquicked everybody. After having been a linebacker coach in the league for that's how I cut my teeth. Let, let me tell you something that I always worked on with smaller linebackers like that. And I, and, and and if it, it wasn't if it wasn't a take on strength, I would always tell them, eyes before feet. And if your eyes get you there first, I don't care how you get there, mm-hmm. you know. But but your eyes can't be late if you're undersized. Sometimes you can be late if you're bigger and you've got some shock and shed to you. But you're right; he's a jazz player, but he his great great eyes, great and, eyes. And, and he's got great eyes, and and that that'll that's what makes him. And he was he was not even personally. I, I'll own this. I I had a question about his play speed off the Cincinnati tape, and he was another guy. He came down. He might have been the fifth fastest guy in the game or sixth fastest. It was crazy times. If you look at the guys that ran what he ran this year, what those guys ran in Indy last year, this guy might run in the four threes, which, I mean, I thought he was more of a four or five guy, but but he uh, he blew it out on the zebra stuff. Coach Mack, a faster David Long type player? Yes. Pace? Okay. Yes. Now, David Long David Long played more on the edge at West Virginia. He was more a rush guy okay. at, at West Virginia. This guy's been behind the ball and, mm-hmm. and, and, and it was seeking gaps. David Long learned how to, how to, how to K and D the center guard triangle. This guy's done this. Yeah, I mean, we, but but he's faster. I want to say David Long's yeah, first time off the ball was in Mobile, was where he was back there full time. Absolutely it was yeah, because at yeah. West Virginia, I mean, and he was, you know, a tremendous player, mm-hmm. productive, but they edged him. And which I probably would too because he could get there. So I I lose track of these guys once they get to the NFL. David Long's become a really good player for the time. Absolutely. Right? He okay. Has. Good. Yeah, he's a free agent this offseason and there's a lot of talk and Mike Vrabel said here earlier in the week, Jim, that you know, the Titans would certainly like to entertain the notion of bringing him back because, man, he's he is an impact player, particularly on third down. You know, okay. that's an area where he's gotten to be a, a big player. Their third down defensive percentage with him and without him, he missed time due to a hamstring injury, was it varied by 20% to the negative when he was not on the field. Wow, that's valuable. Yep. This week, we've been talking a lot about offensive linemen. Are there linemen that showed up big in Mobile that we should be watching? Yeah, that was the group to me after watching all the tape that really stood out. Uh, I thought we, I, and I still do think we had a good group of edge group, and the, and the defensive line was good, but that O line group really handled them. Um, I'm not going to say all six guys are going in the first round, but I do think we have six guys that have a chance to go in the first round. Um, you know, they all they all showed out. You know. I think we might have spoken about Cody Malk when we were when when you guys were down in Mobile, mm-hmm. the North Dakota State kid. He's just a, he's just interesting to me because he can play all five spots, and he'd only been a left tackle at North Dakota State. I know in the game he played left tackle, right guard, and center, so he played on both sides, and he played all three spots. So he he's a really interesting guy. I know you moved on from Taylor Lewan. Um, Jalen Duncan from Maryland is a guy that athletically made it look easy. And he took a lot of one-on-one reps against Keon White from Georgia Tech, who we, who we talked about, and he shut him down. Um, if you're looking for just a natural pass-protecting left tackle, Jalen's got that ability to be a really good one. He just needs to become more consistent. His Maryland tape was was up and down. Um, and I, I thought he put together a good week. Now, when we flopped him to the right side, he didn't look as comfortable because that just hasn't been his spot. No, the teams know that. But when you just looked at the left tackle reps, that guy looked like a starting left tackle. 
You know, I'm going to steal Rhett's guy here, but we steal each other's guys all the time because he and I do a lot of draft stuff together. But uh, And this is his guy, and, and he jumped on him early, Tajay Spears. Yeah, Tajay, um, he was the overall practice player of the week, um, and he won by a, a decent margin. Uh, just a really dynamic football player. And sometimes it's hard to gauge running backs during the week because we're not going to, we're not tackling to the ground, you know, very much. I mean, it happens every once in a while. But we're not supposed to. We tell the guys not to. But um, his ability to get through the hole, that initial burst, and then really what's most exciting, when he gets a second leveler in space, he's got eyes in the back of his head. He feels stuff. I mean, you see some of the cutback runs on Tulane tape. He made he made USC look silly in that bowl game. I think he had five touchdowns in that in that Cotton Bowl. Um, but yeah, phenomenal week. I think he's put himself in that conversation in the, in the top, you know, three or four backs in this draft. I think I think B. John Robinson from Texas. Everyone knows he'll probably go one. Jameer Gibbs from Alabama is a really good one. Um, but Tajay's in that next conversation after after those guys. Uh, just watching his tape in, in, in collegiately, and when you vetted him to bring him in to Mobile, did the spatial awareness surprise you, or did you see that on tape? Saw saw that on tape. That was going back to so he was a junior. Yeah. He was a guy that was a junior that we that we got early, and the the Tulane staff was great, telling us like, "Hey Jim, this guy, if he has a good year, he's coming out, and we right. want him to go out. He's you know wants to take care of his family." But, yeah, that's what jumped out was the stuff in space. His open field run skills are, are pretty dang special. So, you know, get him involved in the pass game. Get him out there on the perimeter. Like, he, he's going to make people look foolish. And he's, got, he's, got, he's a true home run hitter. And it's, it's, and it's not like some home runners are all speed-based. You know, you just get them and they go. Like Chris Johnson, your guy Chris Johnson. Like, you get Chris in space, he was gone. Like, this guy's gone because he can just weave and make people miss and sees things and feels things, and he kind of picks his way and makes guys look stupid, and then he ends up in the end zone. <laughs> what are you hearing since you had Hendon Hooker down to the Senior Bowl, even though he couldn't play due to the knee? Right. What are you hearing about him in the weeks that have followed and as we head into this weekend where the quarterbacks will be a feature? A couple things. Uh, one, that he did a great job in those interviews, um, and that was that was big for him. Uh, the guys that coached him during the week, that sat in the room with him, just how supportive he was with the other quarterbacks, even at practice, but in the room picking up everything. Um, and I think what guys you're starting to see, I, I know Daniel Jeremiah just – I keep bringing up DJ. Um, <laughs> but I know he just threw him in the back end of the first round or something, or, or there's some first-round talk with Hendon right now. Um, and I think that's because a lot of people are really getting their hands dirty on this quarterback class. And then they get to Hendon and they're like, well, wait a minute. Like, this guy's better than some of the guys being talked about above him. His tape's better than these guys. Why aren't we talking about this guy? So I think, I think you're getting some of that. Because right now, I mean, a lot of these GMs haven't really gotten their hands dirty on these prospects until around now, um, Senior Bowl time, February. And now they're, they're watching the, the Will Levises, the Anthony Richardsons, and then they get to Hendon's tape and they're like, well, this guy's pretty darn good. <laughs> We talked about what an impressive young man he was. Coach Mack and I talked about it just in conversation about his interaction with his teammates, even though he didn't play, obviously, and his interaction with fans in the stands, signing autographs, whatever. Um, We were just looking at this quarterback class. We think he's probably quarterback number five in this, despite the ACL, after the big four on Thursday night. Yeah, he he probably will be. And again, the thing with Hen and you guys have spent time around him. There's just a genuine quality to him. Like he's not, you know, he, I don't know how to describe it, but he's just genuine to himself. And you feel like you're meeting the real guy every time you're around him. And his teammate, I think teammates feel that he's just a he's just a really good dude. Um, 
So, yeah, and I, there's a, a lot been made about the age factor because he's 25. I, I think that's really overblown. I think all these guys are playing longer. I don't know if it's the Tom Brady TB12 effect or whatnot. But, um, you know, you can take some years off the front of an, a, in a guy's NFL career because they're playing a lot of years on the back end. You know, it used to be, you remember, I mean, guys got to be 33, 34. They were done. I mean, that was that was the end of a quarterback. You get, But now they're all playing 38, 39, 40. So who cares if he's 25 when he's coming? Well, and he's a mature guy, too. I mean, he's very mature. Here's what I got for you. And, again, this is I want you to uh, – you've got all the tape. You've watched it all. You've vetted them all. Two most consistent corners. Uh, in the whole class are the senior bowl guys. I haven't got to all the junior guys yet. Um, Senior-wise, I'll say, yeah, yeah the, the senior – uh, Julius Brents was a huge winner of Senior Bowl week, the Kansas State corner. Again, I think he's got the longest wingspan on record right since we've been doing the wingspans at corner. Um, you know, there, he's an Iowa transfer. Right. You, you know, a lot of times, the, a lot of people move those Iowa corners to safety when they get to the NFL. This guy's not moving to safety. Mm-mm. He is a, for a long-bodied guy, really fluid mover, um, was really dialed in in practice, uh, you know, he, he forced in the one-on-ones, he forced some no throws in the one-on-one periods, which you don't do. You really got to be blanking a guy in one-on-ones for the quarterback just not to even throw it. Um, and he did that. So he he was a name during the week when I'd ask guys, buddies from around the league, like, who's standing out? Julius Brent's name came up repeatedly. Um, you know, and then and then I brought up Darius Rush earlier in, in, from South Carolina. He's right. another guy that, that I thought really stood out. And Caillou Blue Kelly from Stanford had a great week, too. You know, and let, let me just say this about, about your practice organization that I liked, you know, as far as just a former coach watching practice. I like the fact that you've got officials out there because that's one of the biggest things, as you well know, and, and for us to know, it, it's a difference for corners coming into this league as far as the area that they can make contact. Mm-hmm. And just to, just to throw the, the, the warning flag saying, you can't do that now. You can't do that now. And you could see guys, you know, as the week went on, start to understand where the no-touch zone was, which is, as you well know, huge. Being a little less grabby, yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's a point of emphasis for the league. You know, we the, the, the referees we had during the week were from all around college football, and those are the guys being looked at because the NFL is scouting them. So the Senior Bowl week is a scouting opportunity for college referees, and they were all in town. So we had SEC, big, all, all, the, all the power fives, a couple group of five refs, and, uh, and th- that was a big proving week for them. So it's huge having them down there. It's a great sure. move by you. All right, halftime of the OTP, our special guest, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy, and we're talking now about the Dunkin' Rewards program. Download the app to join today and start saving and stacking your way to the free Dunkin' you'll love. Dunkin' Rewards, save them, stack them, use them however you want. America runs on Dunkin' terms apply. Well, to your earlier point, having officials at those practices, being able to see guys going through a practice, working with different coaches, that's the benefit of these all-star games, right? It's such a different way to evaluate other than just shorts and t-shirts jumping high and running fast right yeah no and i think the overlooked part of the practice week for a lot of guys like coach mack and and some of the gms that that they don't have the all, all the coaches but um if you don't have the benefit of going to a college practice in the fall you miss out on practice habits there's just certain things about way guys practice with tempo with focus um I give Mike Tomlin a lot of credit. Like he's there every year. He's in the middle of those drills because he's keying in on the little things. He's looking at body language. He's looking at when in the offensive line, defensive line, one on ones. When an offensive lineman gets his butt whooped, I mean, Mike's looking at their face. He wants to see what that that immediate reaction is. And you know what we do is we, they take two reps back to back. So the same guys go two reps in a row. So he wants to see the bounce back rep. 
What does that offensive lineman look like in the second rep? Is he coming back fighting? Is he hanging his head? So there's so many little things that you just don't see on nor- – even our tape. You watch the practice week tape, you don't see that little stuff. You've got to be there in it. And uh, I think the smart teams roll up their sleeves and take advantage of it. You know, let's dovetail into where we are now. You know, for seven years, I worked the floor here with linebackers. And what you brought up is so, so important because watching the human interaction, how well do they take advice, how well do they take instruction, how well do they improve on the instruction they have gotten. And the, the value of the Senior Bowl to me is you've got days and days and days of it. Here, you've got one day of it. You've got one day of it position-specific. But, uh, you know, that, that, is, that is so important. When I first started coaching the Senior Bowl, everybody was on the field. Remember those years? And everybody, oh, yeah. Everybody was circling every drill. It was a mosh pit. It was a mosh pit. <laughs> and when you were coaching it, you were going, wow, Don Sheila's watching me. I better give him something good to, you know, good to watch. I think the way you've got it now is so good. But still, when you can watch those types of things, I mean, that's a great insight to that. So it's so important at the Combine, and I know, you know, most of the teams try to do this. You try to plug in guys from your club in different areas. Like you want your linebackers coach doing the linebacker drills. Yes. You, want, you want as many coaches doing the drills as possible i know when i worked in new england i was a group leader um, for seven years and you basically usher the guys through the week you just make sure they get to where you make sure they're up in the morning you take roll you make sure they're at their interview like so you kind of herd them through the week and you know they know when you when you get with them the first night you say hey i'm jim Nagy. i'm scout for the new england patriots i'm going to be your group leader for the week so they know you work for a club and for the first couple of days they're usually on their p's and q's by day three day four they let their guard down, and you really get to see who's who. Um, and we, they would always debrief us. I'd always have to put together kind of a one-liner on every guy sure. in the group. And, and you knew which guys you wanted to be Patriots and which guys you didn't. Um, they, some of these guys really declare themselves during the week. That's why you see those, those group leader spots are coveted um, with, with these NFL teams because they, you get four full days of behind-the-scenes stuff and, and watching the guys with each other and how they interact and who's the loner you know, and who's the leader. And, and guys really separate themselves that way too. Yeah, we used to ask our guys that, that, that did that group leader, the first question, we would debrief them you know, mm-hmm. as coaches, who'd you have to wait on? Mm-hmm. Who'd you have to call to wake up? Who yep. did you have? To, I mean, all of that stuff. I mean, this is really great insight. Yeah. No, there's so many great takeaways. All right. So let's wrap up with this, turning it back toward the Titans. Okay. Uh, you mixed up the coaching staffs this year. The NFL requested that you do that. One of the guys who got a big chance to be an offensive coordinator was Charles London, mm-hmm. who is now the Titans passing game coordinator and quarterback coach. Charles apparently blew everybody away in Mobile. Tell us why Titans fans should be excited that he's part of Mike Vrabel's new offensive staff. Oh, man, there, there's a lot of things, and I just connected. I had to hit him up. I had to get his new Titans email the other day because I, <laughs> I sent an email out to all the coaches trying to get some feedback on the week. And, and first guy to respond, I'll say that. Again, little stuff, right? But he was the first coach out of 30 coaches to hit a response back and give me ideas in the week. Um, but very detailed. He had a plan. I mean, we're, we're talking about these guys threw this thing together mm-hmm. in about 10 days. Um, and he was responsible for that whole playbook. So very detailed, very professional, um, watching him with the players, good communicator. So, you know, the league wanted to do this for a reason. They wanted to showcase some of these guys. I mean, Charles is, to me, he's a guy I could see him as head coach someday, just the way he handles himself, not only with the group of coaches, but, but with those players. And it's amazing. He comes out of Duke. And he goes to Cleveland mm-hmm. and runs Cleveland Stadium. He's a business major. That's what he's going to do. And the P- 
Patriots group, the Crafts, are looking at the Browns stadium as they get ready to build Gillette as they finish that process, and they hire him away to run Gillette. And so he's in business. He's making good money, but he says, I want to coach. And so he gets back into coaching at Duke and has worked his way up. Amy, you met him last night for the first time. I did. He blew you away. He was fantastic. Such a great guy to talk to. So nice. So interested in what you're saying. Incredibly engaging. All things that you would think are incredible traits for a coach. And I just talked to him for five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that backstory. That's incredible. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is a guy who could have done other things, could have worked less hours, could have probably made even more money, but chose – I mean, he was in his 20s when he had those two jobs, and yet, I mean, this is a special human being. I, I think he is going to be a fixture in this Titans staff. I knew him when he was just an offensive assistant sharing an office with Arthur Smith, and then the next year Jonathan Gannon came in to be an offensive assistant. So – Mike Munchak hired some pretty good ones. That's a, ma- did. That's a magical office right there. <laughs> can can I, I go hang out? Can there. I go hang out yeah. in that yeah. office those for a little were, bit? Those were legit. I was there, you know, one year with Charles and with and with Arthur, and just missed because <laughs> Jonathan Gannon. I visited with him this morning. He was at the Rams before he came to the Titans that year when I left the Titans went to the Rams. But all three of those guys, you went, okay. I mean, these are some young dudes that kind of get it. Mm-hmm. You've got to love that the Reese's Senior Bowl has become the launching point now for seemingly everything. Well, that's why we the draft starts in Mobile. We hope it's catching on a little bit after five years. <laughs> I, I don't get this. You know, it's funny. In the last two years, I know you always have to do a sales job because not every agent and person who's in a player's ear thinks it's the best thing. Do you find you're having to do less of a sales job now? For sure, for sure. And, and I, I do. I always try to make this point. Um, the, game, the game's been great forever. In, in the guys before, Phil Savage, the former sure. Browns GM, was, was my predecessor. He did a fabulous job with the game. Game's been great forever. You just look at all the great players. We're getting ready to put together our 75th anniversary team, and uh, it's a, it's it's a crazy group. Um, but I feel like we we've tried to market it. We've tried to stay current. I mean, all these kids grow have grown up with phones in their hands, and so that's why we've had to use the social media. It's really worked. Um, I mean, that's probably the biggest thing we've done differently. Because I'll say this: when we started doing the social media stuff. I used to get a lot of snarky responses like, hey, Nagy, nobody cares about your little game. Right. And I'm like, little game? I mean, I'm Aaron Donald, I'm rattling off. But, but, it, but, it, used to, but, but it, it used to frustrate me. I'm like, what are you talking about, little game? This game's been great. Um, we don't get that anymore. I think people understand now. And, again, with the games, I mean, yeah, our numbers are a little bit better than, the, than they've been. But, but, uh, but it's been a great game for a long time. But it really it's, it's just bringing the awareness to, like, what a great game it's been. You know, we really needed to shed a light on You on do a great job with social media. Dave does an outstanding job with job. social media. Yeah, he does. We've got a great team. We're lucky to have Dave and Molly. We're up here. You guys said yeah. you saw yeah. them yesterday. Um, so that was, that was great. They were up here just talking to the different coaches and GMs about the, the Senior Bowl and all that. And I know that they talked to some players at the podium getting feedback about their experience with you and Immobile. Do you get consistently good feedback that it was a good launching point for them to get to here? Yeah, they're our best recruiters. I mean, let's face it. I mean, they're all going to go back next year and, and talk to the guys that were there before, and I think that's where it's gotten easier is that these guys, because this year's class were all either fresh or high school seniors or freshmen in college when our first crew came through. So, I mean, if you can break through at a particular school and have guys come and help themselves and have a good week um, – that's what you're looking for. These, these, the, the players are the ones that sell the game the most.
Reese's Senior Bowl Executive Director Jim Nagy. Thanks so much for taking time with us. Yeah, we appreciate thanks. it. Yeah, thanks. I love coming on. For Coach Dave McGinnis, Rhett Bryan, Amy Wells, Mike Keith says thank you for listening to the OTP. Welcome.